Welcome to the um, Living with the Promises workshop. Before we get started, we'll ask that you turn off all cell phones and electronic equipment. Uh, this session is being taped. Anyone wishing to share will be required to sign the speaker's release form before sharing, and that means everyone who comes up to the podium. Okay? Uh, to protect anonymity, no photography, audio, and or visual recording is allowed. Uh, the opinions expressed here today are those of the individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or over it is anonymous as a whole. My name is Pearl. Uh, I'm a compulsive overeater, a sugar addict, and thank goodness an ex-bulimic. Uh, <laughs> all right. And, um, and you're a leader for this meeting. So join me, please, in reading, um, in, in reciting the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will now read the promises from the book Alcoholics Anonymous. The promises. If we are painstaking about this phase of our development, we will be amazed before we are halfway through. We are going to know a new freedom and a new happiness. We will not regret the past, nor wish to shut the door on it. We will comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our experience can benefit others. That feeling of uselessness and self-pity will disappear. We will lose interest in ourselves and gain interest in our fellows. Self-seeking will slip away. Our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. Fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. We will intuitively know how to handle situations which used to baffle us. We will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Thank you. The format of this meeting is as follows. Three speakers will share for 15 minutes each. Then an Ask It Basket will be circulated for a 15-minute question and answer session. We will then have open sharing as time allows. Once again, the topic of this workshop is Living Promises. And our first speaker is Sam. Hi, I'm Sam. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm very excited to be here. I um, told my sponsor I was going to speak at the convention and I was going to prepare something and you know, go home and make, you know, make my speech. And she said, why? Why are you doing that? <laughs> it needs to come from the heart, not from the head. So as I'm thinking of her now, I wish I would have written something down. <laughs> but it's going to come from my heart. I did make a few and she did make it, made a few notes just so I wouldn't uh, so I would stay on the topic because um, I've been in OA um, for about 17 years, 17 years uh, in July, and I have 12 years of abstinence, and I am from San Diego, and there was one more thing I was going to say, but uh, that kind of qualifies me, so I, I've been here and I still belong here, and um, the promises uh, for me, 
you know, for, for me, it's on a day-to-day -day basis, I don't really feel like I'm living the promises, so to speak. But when I look back over the 17 years, um, I can really see a difference in the quality of my life and just the things that are in my life. Um, the different promises that I wrote down that kind of spoke to me, you know, it says we'll know a new freedom and a new happiness. And, um, you know, 17 years ago, my new happiness would be probably that I would fit into my clothes in my closet, which wasn't happening. Or I might even, you know, the happiness would be to find the food I was looking for. Or the happiness would be to be alone, you know, all day. And um, today that happiness is just totally different. You know, my, my happiness um, is just it's completely different. Uh, not only just the things that are that I fill my time with, I don't spend um, time alone as much as I used to, and I don't crave to spend time alone as much as I used to. Um, the foods I eat are completely different than, you know, even maybe five years ago. Um, but I don't look for the happiness in the food. I look for the happiness in the relationships that I have. I look for the happiness in the activities that I do. And, um, and the freedom is just definitely one of not self-obsessing. You know, and not that that goes away all the time, <laughs> because even coming here to speak, you know, I wanted to present a certain way of speaking and have it all sound very, you know, eloquent and all that, but, you know, it's just not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to always come out that way. But the freedom is, I'm going to do it anyways. You know, whereas before, I would have been too afraid to not come up here and look perfect and say the perfect thing and blah, 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 that I wouldn't have done it. I would have been too scared, and that would have sent me to the food or just some sort of other self-obsession, you know, oh, I'm not sure enough to get up there and speak, you know, those, those kind of things. And today the freedom really isn't about that um, on, on, on most days. I'm not going to lie and say that it's always perfect because it's not. But on, I would say the majority of my days um, are not spent self-obsessing. And that's huge because that's how I used to spend all my days, either obsessing about myself or obsessing about what you thought about me, which, you know, could take up months, months and years, and really for nothing. Um, comprehend the word serenity, and we will know peace. And if anyone has felt even one, one day of abstinence, you can, you can relate to that, that peace. You know, just that calmness, that clarity, that feeling that, you know, it, it is going to be okay. And, and that's what the promises talk about. Um, so one thing I wanted to say kind of in the beginning was just that if you are new, the promises aren't something that you get on day two or day three or even day 87. You know, it's, it's after working it's up to step nine. That's where they're located in the big book. It's after step nine. You know, we have, if we are painstaking about this phase of our development. So it's not like... If you're new and you're like, well, these aren't happening for me, you know, it takes time and it takes work. And, um, and I think for me it's taken just an evolution of myself, um, not only as a person, um, but, at, you know, just my food plan has evolved and I've evolved um, emotionally and spiritually to be ready for the promises. Because I think when I was new, if someone would have said, okay, in 17 years, this, was, this is what your life's going to look like. This is what you'll be doing. Which, you know, I would be like, oh, boy, that, that doesn't sound like something I would want or, or be ready for. So I think that God has a plan for all, all of us, I believe. And um, we get what we need when we need it, uh, not before. Um, our whole attitude and outlook upon life will change. And I think... Um, you know, my gratitude list is expanded um, to include just even tiny things, like I have a healthy body today, I have a normal-sized body today, whereas before I needed to be a certain size or a certain number, and today it's like it's a healthy-sized body. 
leave it alone. You know, don't go any further. You don't need to obsess on a smaller size or a whatever. So um, my attitude and outlook upon life is the gratitude that I feel. And it's about little things, like I said, um, having enough time, energy, money, having enough um, patience with my daughter, having enough compassion for myself. Um, so these are things that, again, 17 years ago, I would have been like, oh, whatever. I just want to be a size, whatever, two, four, six, eight, anything. <laughs> um, oh, I know what I was going to say. Uh, I've probably lost about 40 pounds. It's, um, I have I don't know exactly, but it's about 40 pounds, eight plus. So just to qualify. Intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle us. And this is one that I think I've become more in touch with as I've become um, a mom. Just the intuition, my intuition muscle has definitely been strengthened, and um, it's been really, really, really amazing because I do feel like God speaks to me um, when I listen, when I get quiet enough to just listen to my intuition. I do know exactly what I need to do for myself. doesn't mean I always do it. doesn't mean I always um, listen for it. But if I do take the time to, to slow down and breathe and listen, I do know exactly what to do, what I need to do for myself. And I think that's part of the promises, that I will know how to handle situations that used to baffle me, which was a lot of situations, really. Um, social situations, I especially standing up and, and speaking. I could speak about um, intellectual things, but never things that were, you know, emotional or heartfelt. And certainly not without preparing. So <laughs> this is definitely a testament that I am intuitively letting God speak from me, um, and hopefully it will make sense. I myself am going to get the tape, just so I know what I said, because I really don't know where this is all coming from, but I trust that it's, no one's left yet, and even if they do, that's fine. Um, God is doing for us that we could not do for ourselves, and I think that just goes back to um, the intuitive piece as well as um, the, the plans. Thank you. Um, you know, I have all kinds of plans and ideas and um, thoughts and dreams, and I think that's really good to have 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 dreams and, and things to aspire to. But I, I've uh, realized that my plan isn't always what God wants, and um, I didn't know if I was going to talk about this, but I um, recently just had a miscarriage last week, and um, you know, my plan was to have my second baby by the time I was 36 or when I was 36, and I was due in January, and miscarried, or I was, anyway, I was due in January, my birthday was in February, so it'd be 37, so it's following along my plan, right? And, you know, it's just been such a, a gift in my life, and I can't believe I can say it this soon, but, you know, God just knows what, what we need, and God knows how to take care of us in ways that I wouldn't, I would not have planned, you know? My plan was to, you know, get my baby, and this is that, and I was driven, and, you know, that just wasn't the plan, and um, and I'm okay today. You know, I'm not over it, and I, you know, I know there's a process, but um, I'm willing to just trust in God's plan. And if, if there's another baby in my future, then okay. If there's not, that's okay, too. I, I do have a, a daughter. Um, but and along with that is that God is showing me that other people can be there for me. Like, I'm not a person that loves to just cry, A, in public, and B, um, in front of people, which is, I guess, the same thing, but, um, you know, it's shown me that I can let people help me. I can let people see me cry, and they can help me and, and hold my hand, and um, I wasn't willing to do that before, you know, just wanted my, my pride, my ego, 
Um, I know I have a time limit, so I will keep going. Um, always materialize if we work for them. And um, I love that part because that's the hope of the program. It says that they will always materialize um, if we work for them. So that little caveat that we need to do the work. And like I said, um, you know, the promises are um, after step nine. And that's a lot of work to do before these things materialize. And I don't know if I didn't necessarily materialize for me after the first time I did the steps. I think it took, it's taken a few rounds going through the steps to really feel them. And I do feel them um, most days, and, but the degree changes too. You know, the fear of people and of economic insecurity. Some days I'm really afraid of people, but I think looking back, it's definitely lessened. So I guess my message is that I think, we can, I think if we all thought about it, we'd all, in some way, we're living a promises today. It's just um, in different degrees and at different levels, perhaps but just that um, they can materialize for all of them, uh, for all of us. And like it says too, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. But just that the hope is there, that this program can work uh, as long as we're willing to put the time into it and to um, put as much, you know, give it a priority. I know for me, the first, my first five years of program, um, being abstinent, I wanted to be abstinent because I wanted to be thin, but the inner working part of it wasn't my priority. And until I was really ready to get serious and do the steps, then some of the promises started manifesting in my life. And um, my life has really expanded from not only being in the program, but especially from working the steps. Um, it is not small, it is, and it's not isolating, and it's not consumed with um, myself only. I have uh, wonderful people in my life and relationships that you know help me grow and change all the time. And um, the promises are, they're very, hope-provoking for me, and they make me continue to, to grow, because um, I, well, I want to keep living them. So I thank you for uh, being here. I'm going to begin with uh, the basket for questions, so that we'll have a nice pile when we're ready. And um, we're now going to hear from John. Thank you. Hi, I'm John, compulsive overeater. And I'll qualify a little. I've been in program for 25 years. I, uh, I'm a compulsive eater. Um, I've been all flavors of this. Been bulimic. I've been exercise bulimic. Went through a very short anorexic phase, um, and I definitely belong here. Um, I have a 12 years plus of current essence, and I'm down about 105 pounds from my top weight. I'm also sober 25 years too. So, just to qualify. Uh, that and nickel gives me a cup of coffee every morning. I still get up and do it the same way somebody who's just got their second day does. Um, I, um, it's interesting. When I sat there listening to Sam, it's like I want to go up and go, okay, what she said, bye, thank you. Um, you know, it's like the longer I'm around, the more I realize how brilliant these things are. These are I was talking, I had to speak at an AA Big Book study yesterday, and uh, I was saying, you know, these, this is written by people with no... You know, no background in this. You know, you know, there is no degrees in substance abuse then. They were literally writing the book on this and how brilliant this stuff turned out to be and how amazing it is when you, you see it, especially once you've gone through it. And for me, you know, I think there's as many levels of promises as you work the steps. I got some of the promises in my first few years in program 
for certain things like, you know, getting losing weight. I was I, you know, came in at 25 and was male and lost my weight very quickly because I had the metabolism of a hummingbird then, you know, and um, that was the promise I was looking for, like all of us, you know, none of us was sitting there one day going, oh boy, I want to come in and enlarge my spiritual life. We all came in to lose the weight and then said, oh yeah, there's a lot more to this. And the longer I am around, the more I realize how incredibly complex this disease is, especially for eaters. I mean, drinking and drugging, most people don't start until, you know, even in the worst case scenario, early teens, but... Food is there from the beginning. It's mom. It's love. It's so integral in everything. And and especially if you grow up in a kind of crazy household I did, where things were so askew, it, it somehow it's a little piece of love and a little piece of everything. And how warped everything then turns into after that. And you know, the, like I said, the first few years of coming in, I you know it was about the physical. You know, so I lost the weight and I up speaking at meetings and speaking at marathons and I'm just nuts. You know, I mean, I got nothing. I'm not working any steps. I'm thin. You know, that and, you know, again, you know, but the longer I kept coming around and the more I kept working and I, I got to be honest that the first 10, 12, 15 years I was in program, OA was, was a, a big, cheap group therapy. You know, I didn't do a lot of self work. I had a sponsor, but it was about coming to meetings and talking about me, 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 me. Let me tell you what happened to me today, and me, 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 and I'm here for. Oh, I think about your problem. But anyway, I didn't get a lot of it. And the more I worked and started, it, you know, I think all of us we 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 do things out of pain. You know, I mean, the more you get right down to it, we get pushed when we're uncomfortable and we go, I'm not doing this right. I gotta work. I gotta redouble efforts in different areas. And when I really started getting into the steps the way it was meant, I began to understand it. You know, you read this thing about, you know, if, you know, we're, you know, if we're willing to do it, you know, if we're willing to work stuff, it means, you know, doing all these things that work on our character defects that in a lot of ways they're comfortable in one hand because we don't know what it's like to be without them. So we don't want to keep them, but they've got a lot of, you know, they, you know, I've always hated the phrase character defects. You know, you know, what is somebody said the big book is written by people who were four to five years sober at the most. It's a very negative phrase. These were defense mechanisms. They were defense mechanisms that got me through life. They, you know, thank God for food. I would have killed myself long before I found this program. You know, and um, and all these other nasty sort of character defects. They did something for me at one point, but at some point or another, you know, they went, they went over to the other side. You know, they, they were aiding the enemy, not aiding me. And and I couldn't get some of that. And um, as I kept working, and I kept doing another fourth step, and I kept trying to look at these things, and you keep peeling these layers back, and then, if you really keep working at these things, you know, looking at your character defects, fixing them, looking at other stuff, it gets better, you know? I can't sit here and say, well, you know, on this day, all of a sudden I got this. I love the, 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 the in the back of the big book, of spiritual experience, where it talks about, for most people, what we got for a higher power was of the educational variety. You know, and it definitely was for me. I just kept watching too many damn coincidences in these programs, in these rooms, just to not have some kind of a belief that there's, everything happens for a reason. And the longer I'm around, I get that. And I think as you get to get a better conscious contact with a higher power of your own understanding, so important. My, the guy who was my first sponsor in my first program, you know, when I came in and I wanted to argue about that this is a religious program, and he's like, it's not, it's a spiritual, I'm, you know, I'm pointing to the steps going, see right there, God, 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 God. And, he, he said the most brilliant thing anybody could have ever said. He said, okay, leave it out. <laughs> you know, and I'm like, what? He said, leave it out. Right now your disease is looking for any excuse it can get to bolt out the door. And what could be better than to think this is some kind of religious program. Nobody's going to ever make you believe anything. Don't worry. Leave it out. 
it was such a brilliant wording, because if he had said to me, well, just keep coming, you'll get it eventually, the paranoid, really crazy part of me would have said, oh my God, the cult's going to get me, and I would have never been able to hear anything. But the fact that he took the pressure off and said, I don't ever have to believe anything, allowed me to come to some kind of a belief. One of the other problems I had was that having grown up in crazy outlook and having been a fat kid and having a good brain, God blessed me with brain, I want to figure everything out. You know, and we had a guy back on the East Coast where I got asked and he said, God can't be understood with the brain. It has to be felt with the heart. And that the more I tried to, I, I used to remember sitting down, okay, what is my concept of a higher? I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to get there. I just, and for me today, I still, I say the word God because it's a good placeholder. It's one syllable. I can move on. Higher power works better for me. Because, you know, the God I was raised with, I was born Catholic and I'm not anymore. And uh, part of it was, um, this whole punitive male God. And I don't come from a long line of unconditionally loving males in my family. So I had trouble with that and I had to find something. But today, the, the idea that everything's all right, you know, God's in his place and all's right with the world, it's all I got to go with. And I don't have to understand it. You know, my mother passed away last year and, and I kept trying to get her to come out to L.A. And she, she'd gotten back to the church and kept trying to talk me into it. And uh, mom doesn't know it, but I actually went back to, to a... a uh, I went back to the original source. <laughs> I forgot a new religion that happened to be the original source of my old religion. But um, my, um, I would say to her, you know, she'd talk about, oh, yeah, I have a faith, I have a faith. I'd go, well, come on, we've got to like, fly out here. Oh, I can't fly, I'm afraid. And I went, Mom, how can, you, how can you be afraid if you have faith? And remember, she said to me, well, wait, do you believe when you get on a plane that God will keep you from crashing? I said, Mom, I live next to Santa Monica Airport. If God wants me to buy, die in a plane crash, I could be laying in bed <laughs> and sleep in my own apartment and die in a plane crash, okay? Um, I couldn't get her to get that, and I, I feel bad in a way because um, one of the things that happened as I pulled these layers off is, you know, the idea of a freedom and, and fear. I, I'm, I'm about a year and a half ago, I did another. I went through the steps in a Joe and Charlie Big Book kind of style, and uh, they give you these sheets that have the, you know, the thing for the fourth step: one resentments, one's fears, sexuality, other. And, uh, yeah. Anyway, I had like three fears. Three fears is all I could say. You know, I could say, wow, you know, I mean, and there's things like being incapacitated, you know, I mean, nothing, anything horrible. And I realized that a lot of things have changed, but it's, you know, from having gotten there. And uh, I was talking with Eda outside, we were talking about sponsees, and I, I've been sponsoring somebody online, and, and, and I'll say things like, she's like, oh my, you are so intuitive. And, you say, and I'm like, and, and I say to Eda, because we, you know, I said, this stuff seems so obvious now, but I realized that I used to think that about my sponsors. You know, oh my God, they've got this great. But part of this is getting, is the work you do. I, you know, I always say that I think the two main components of, of this disease, you know, when you get down to it, uh, are immaturity, you know, um, over the they talk about the alcoholic personality. It's an immature personality. I want what I want when I want it. I want to eat as much as I want. I don't want to lose any, you know, and I don't want to gain any weight. And I want, I want this. And, it. and the other thing is narcissism. You know, I am the center of the universe, you know. I love that great line that's been going around program on, on the uh, piece of shit the world revolves around. You know, I love that line. It's like, I'm either going to be here or I'm here, but God forbid I'm just one of you guys, right? I've got to somehow feel special because deep down, I don't feel like I'm anything. And I can't just be one of you because I'm nothing in here. And if I'm just one of you, then I'm really nothing. And, and so I would, I would be the life of the... I went in the other direction, the low self-esteem, high ego, and come out and be the life of the party because, my God, you know, you've got to realize I am something. Now it's fine, you know, um, that I don't have to do all that anymore. And the other thing about this whole, when you start to lose that self thing, and I love, here's a great pamphlet, and I'll just, I always pitch it at meetings. There's an AA pamphlet called The Member's Eye View of Alcoholics Anonymous, and it's, it's OA literature because it's AA literature. 
This guy talks about AA treats the symptoms first. You don't try and think our way through it. The guy says, he's got a great line there. He says, autopsies are wonderful things. They just don't benefit the person on whom they're being performed on. I want to analyze everything like heck, and then somehow everything will be... No, it doesn't work that way. Bill and Bob didn't work the steps, and then they got sober. And it's all of these things sort of flip around. And in the 12th step, it talks about getting out of yourself, and we get, we get inundated with new service, new service, new service. And it's because we eventually drags us out of this whirlpool of self. And what happened in the last couple of years, I'm not the center of the universe anymore. The narcissism is gone. I'm just one of you. You know, in one of my other programs, there's a great line about... So, you know, some inconvenience on your part for the convenience of others is okay. It's part of, of being in a society. You know what? I've got to stop at a red light to let you go when it's green. In my old world, anytime I stopped at a red light, you know, they're out to get me. And the only thing about losing that narcissism is nothing's personal anymore. You know, I used to, you know, by driving, if somebody cut in front of me, you know, oh, don't they know who I am? And all this grandiosity, which is on the other side of narcissism. I don't get that. People are clueless. They're not doing it deliberately. And who knows how many, you know, we don't know what clueless things we did to other people because we were clueless, you know. And um, the great thing about we will intuitively know how to handle situations. I'm amazed today. The things that I do that I just don't even think twice and I don't take personally. And and the thing, the other thing is, and I'll, I'll probably end with this, is that the serenity is there now. The serenity, not every moment. I had this idea I was going to move into some kind of Gandhi-esque nirvana no, it goes up and down, but on the whole, everything's okay. And, and I used to walk around for the first 15 years of my abstinence, five degrees off boiling at any moment. Now, that didn't mean you wouldn't walk up and I would seem happy as heck, but you know what? It doesn't take much to get it up five degrees, and I'm, you know, blowing. And so, but, and just to, to iterate, what, reiterate what Sam said, if we're willing to work for it, none of this stuff, the abstinence, I love, I love the logo we have here with the wand, because I used to joke about the abstinence fairy dings you on the head and all of a sudden you're not going to want to eat anymore, and I watch a lot of people come in and think that's how it works, and then the program fairy will ding you and all your, your character defects will be lifted, and no, it's, you know, two steps forward, one step back, sometimes, you know, one step forward, two steps back, but if you keep going, I want to be a better person, it's amazing what can happen, and that's all you got to do is just keep working on it and be genuine and have a sponsor. I cannot do this myself. I need an objective third party. So, thanks for letting me share. Great stuff. And now we hear from Helen. Hi, I'm Helen, and I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm Helen, and it's great to be here, and thank you guys, and welcome to any newcomers that are here in this workshop today. And, um, yeah, that's how I feel. You guys have said it all, so what's left? But um, just to share, I've been abstaining for a little over 10 years and maintaining a 100-pound weight loss through the grace of God. So I'm really grateful. Um, uh, compulsive overeater. And um, totally, you guys, like I said, you really did say it all for me. And, um, um, yeah, and I love the promises. And for me, the promises are, you know, like everybody said, it's progress, not perfection, all these things, to not be completely self-centered and uh, involved in just myself. And so um, if we are painstaking about the space of our development, we, we will be amazed and um, that to know a new freedom and a new happiness. And every morning lately, I've been reading page 550, and I love where it says, AA members who sponsored me told me in the beginning that I would not only find a way to live without having a drink or to eat compulsively, but that I would find a way to live without wanting to eat compulsively if I would do these simple things. And um, and I do have that freedom today. You know, um, it's funny because I work with, you know, quite a few compulsive overeaters that know I'm in the program and um, 
this one young kid that I work with, and he just, you know, can't believe because he's always eating like his Skittles and things like that, you know. And um, and so he can't believe that it's not like torture for me to not be eating his Skittles, you know what I mean? And so, and you know, and I just, you know, trying to convince other people is futile. I just, for me today, I just mentioned OA and that I've been maintaining 100-pound weight loss and drop it because generally, Unfortunately, people don't want to know any more than that about Overeaters Anonymous, you know. So, um, so, but, but I love this because it is. I do have a new freedom today. I am free from the obsession of the over to eat a cookie. You know, I haven't had sugar, and I don't want it. And that's a miracle because if you would have ever, I'm a, I am a, you know, compulsive overeater, and I was totally a addicted to sugar. I couldn't stop shoving sugar down my throat. Now, I couldn't go a day without sugar. And so, if you told me that someday I was going to have gone over 10 years without eating a cookie, um, I would have thought, you were crazy. You know what I mean? I would not have believed that. And the truth is, if I was white-knuckling it today, I wouldn't have not eaten sugar in over 10 years. I could not possibly have done that. Um, without this program and the grace of God. It is all just the grace of God. And so, um, and we will not regret the past nor wish to shut the door on it. For me, um, yeah, I love that. It, I, I am grateful for everything I've gone through. You know, the fact that I was 100 pounds overweight, that I got here finally at 45, so there was a lot of, you know, past. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's even, um, we will not regret the past. I, we will not regret sometimes today, you know, no, nor wish to shut the door on it. But, um, but because I do know that what I've gone through, the, the only reason I'm here today and abstinent is so that I can help the next person, you know, help another compulsive overeater. And so, and I can help them by sharing my past and what I have gone through and everything that I've done. You know, everything that I've done. And if I'm just there trying to look perfect, which I did, you know, for those first 45 years of my life, I thought I was supposed to be perfect, so I spent a lot of time trying to make everybody think I was. And um, and I wasn't helping anybody, including myself. It was just that when I'm able to share what I've done, some of the things that I have been very ashamed of, but I can share those today because I can help another person who's going through the same thing. You know, so that's a huge gift. I never would have guessed that I was going to be grateful for everything that I've gone through, you know. Um, so that's a huge gift. And, um, oh, and we will comprehend the word serenity and we will know peace. And I love this part in here where it says um, that, oh gosh, it's in here. I know it is because I've been reading it every morning and now I can't find it. But it says that the degree of peace that I have in my life is directly proportional to the peace that I bring in other people's lives. And I love that. And that's what this whole, all these promises are about, you know, for me anyway, are about getting out of myself. And that's what I love about the principles that I've learned in the program is it is outwardly directed. And that's the only thing that gets me out of myself. And I am still a completely self-centered person, you know. Here where it says um, that feeling of use, we will lose interest in ourselves and gain interest in our fellow self-seeking will slip away. And, you know, I am completely still today self-centered. Um, but the difference is that I don't act on it today, you know. Um, and so that's huge. And so all these things that I'm doing, you know, that service, you know, everything that I learned in this program, these principles I've learned in this program have been, you know, to not act 
completely self-centered and completely selfish. Because I'm always thinking about myself. I don't know about you, but always, constantly thinking about myself. And so, um, so um, let's see, we will, we will gain interest in our fellow self-seeking will slip away. Um, and my whole attitude upon life has changed. You know, I have had that, those psychic changes many, one after another, you know, um, that have changed my thinking. Um, you know, being willing to look at my own part today, um, not blaming everything on everybody else. Just that same thing, once again, of not being completely selfish and self-centered. Um, and then fear of people and of economic insecurity will leave us. Fear of people, once again, when I'm afraid, and I do get afraid of people, and I think, you know, why don't I want to do this, or why don't I want to go there? It's because I'm afraid of people, you know. And I'm afraid, once again, it's that selfishness, that self-obsession that I have. And that is that um, I'm thinking what they're thinking of me, you know, rather than just going somewhere and being of service to other people. So, you know, when I go and I just ask somebody about themselves, you know, and just get out of myself and see where I can be of service to them and to others, you know, at work, where I really first learned to, um, to, to practice the principles in this program was in the workplace, you know, and um, I got, I started working for the company that I work for, um, uh, shortly after I got abstinent, my sponsor just told me, just, you know, show up, keep your mouth shut, just shut up, and see where you can be of service to God and those around you. And so I started doing that, and I found I didn't have to always be thinking about, you know, those plans and schemes, you know, that, um, and I love that, talking about stop thinking, you know, my thinking still today can't be trusted, you know? And so it is about the heart. So I do try to speak from the heart and to act from the heart rather than my head because, you know, my head, um, like I said, gets me into all kinds of trouble. But anyway, so at work is where I learned I didn't have to practice all those plans and schemes anymore. I could just show up and be of service to other people and see where I could be of service to them and to God, you know? And I didn't have to be worrying about, you know, what were they thinking, what was going to happen. They're not acting like I want them to act. Just show up. It was, like, so clean, you know? Um, it freed me from the obsession of that thinking. Not only of the food, but the thinking, you know? Um, when I get out of myself, I am free from the obsession of that thinking. But... Um, yeah, and um, intuition. Once again, you know, um, we will intuitively know how to handle situations with use to back less. Yes, that has happened for me. And uh, for the lesson for me has been to listen, like you were saying, to our intuition. Because I would intuitively know things and not not listen to that voice inside. You know what I mean? Then my head starts working again and I go do something else, you know? So... Recently, I've really been practicing that, listening to my, that intuitive voice in myself rather than acting on my thinking. And so that's a huge gift. And we will suddenly realize that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. And everything um, good in my life today, everything that works in my life today is a result of this program. These principles that are in this book were given in this great book, and it has all the answers, you know. All the answers are here in this book. And so um, 
So everything that works in my life is a result of this program. And it is God doing for me what I could not do for myself. I know that today. Um, like I said, not only the obsession from the food, the obsession from my thinking, um, the obsession of the self-centeredness, all that um, does get removed through the grace of God. So um, I'm just really grateful. I'm grateful to be here today. And um, uh, like I said, you know, I couldn't, um, I couldn't stop eating sugar. Um, and so for somebody who's just a down and out, you know, compulsive overeater, to not be obsessed with that today is a huge miracle. And to get to live in a normal body today, and like you said, you know, like my ideal weight, my goal weight would be like zero, you know, <laughs> or, my, or my size would be minus zero. And that still wouldn't be enough. You know, and that's the other disease that I suffer from is that it's not enough. It's never going to be enough. There's never going to be enough. I had to overeat. There wasn't going to be enough food. There's still not enough of anything for me, you know. And I can try to fill that hole with a lot of things. Food, alcohol, you know, people, money, everything. And so... Um, the grace of God that I don't have to do that one day at a time today. And so these promises really have come true for me in my life, and they are coming true, and they're coming true at a greater degree. Um, like I think we've all said, it's progress, not perfection. You know, some days I'm still in that self-obsession, and some days it gets lifted. So anyway, thanks for letting me share. I think my time's up. have our speakers respond to questions from the Ask It basket, and I've asked Sam to read the questions. Um, I have difficulty reading handwriting. I have a uh, visual disability, so I'm happy to be here, but I'm going to give you to her, and she can moderate this for me. Thank you. Okay. Uh, how do you regain faith during times of challenge or despair? I think it's, for me, one of the things I did is shift my belief in the, just the concept that I don't know what's right or wrong. So I look back at some of the things that I thought were the worst things that ever happened in my life and realize that had they not happened, some of the best things that have happened in my life wouldn't have been able to happen either. It's, it's a very hard thing. You know, for me, like the most, one of the most important words in the, in the steps is the, is the only. Praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. One of the things that kept me out of any kind of conscious contact with higher power before program was I, I got this list that doesn't just work for me. You know, God, how, how is there a God when there's a Holocaust? How is there a God when there are crack babies? How is there a God when there's, and just, I can keep, I can just do this for the rest of the meeting. And, he, and I remember saying that to one of my first sponsors, and he said, well, if you understood that, you'd be God, wouldn't you, kid? <laughs> you know, and that I just have to realize, that for me, is, is to try and grasp the concept that, that everything's going to be all right. And it's hard when things aren't going the way you think they should be, especially when there are things that seem wrong. Um, but the whole idea of having a God that's conditioned on whether I'm, you know, he's doing what I think he should be doing is... is going to make it really hard for me because there's always going to be things. And I just have to have faith that, you know, I don't know how the damn plane works. I get on the plane, I sit in the seat, and I let the pilot drive it, you know. Uh, if I you know, started trying to figure out all that stuff, I'd, I'd drive myself nuts for the entire flight. So, thanks. Hey. 
what does your daily program look like? Meetings, food, abstinence. Um, I'll, I'll answer this. I won't. Okay. Uh, well, it's very different than it was. Um, my abstinence started as three binges a day, nothing in between. And um, has evolved to, it's evolved a lot. Um, currently, it's, it's usually three meals a day. I sometimes have a snack. And I don't eat flour or sugar. And um, that's my food plan. My abstinence includes um, meditation on a daily basis. And um, I like to say I do a 10 step every day, but I don't. Um, I do it when I remember. Um, and I usually like someone else said, I'm in pain. That's when I start whipping out, you know, the phone and writing. And, but I do try to journal often just because that helps me get my feelings out. And um, I do go to, I go to one meeting right now, the maintainer's meeting at the Oasis. Um, with having a two-year-old, my, my meeting life has kind of changed. So, but I, you know, I have a sponsee and sponsors. Uh, okay, food plan, uh, three meals a day and sometimes an evening snack, but I may just qualify that because when I was in the middle of a massive relapse in program and I didn't know it, I said anything after dinner was a snack. Snack is, is no really, I mean, and that was how I justified it. Uh, it is essentially, you know, like a fruit usually. Um, I just, essentially I don't have my dessert with my dinner, I may have it a little while later. Um, I don't eat sugar. I. Uh, I choose not to eat sugar. Uh, I choose not to eat table bread, and pretty much all bread, with the exception of I will have a sandwich. But even then, I'll like well, just just for lunch. I went over. I can pull most of it out because I know I have a slight allergy to wheat, and I don't really need that too much. Um, I just tend the other things I spent, and I didn't go into this in that time here, but I spent seven years in another program for food that was very very structured. And one of the things I watched what me do is when I broke it, you know, I. I I love, I think, I've heard the phrase say, you know, your abstinence needs to be strong, not brittle. So for me today, I, I don't, I choose not to eat certain things, but if for some reason I did, it wouldn't be, well, that's it, I'm not perfect, you know, et cetera. Um, my abstinence, as was mentioned, is to me, it's, it's what I call the superset of, of the food. The food plan is within my abstinence, but there are other things. I try um, to get up every morning. It took me years. I'm terrible at morning meditation. Uh, my, my old AA sponsor just said, look, get up in the morning and do this. When you're having your first cup of whatever, don't turn on the radio. Don't turn on the TV. Don't turn on the computer. Just take a little time. Now, I've been lucky in that my new, since January, I moved in and, uh, with my fiance and, uh, we have a dog. And it is a perfect thing for me. We never, she had never walked the dog in the morning to take the dog on a walk and it's very quiet and I get that I, it's, it's something I deliberately did as a way to get myself in a habit, because unfortunately, if I don't have a habit, it's like for me, you know, exercise, if I don't have a time when I'm going to do it, it's all of a sudden it's 11.30 and I haven't done it. And so I do that, I have a sponsor, and I sponsor. Uh, I talk to my sponsor daily, except on weekends, we usually talk about once, uh, and I sponsor a couple of people and a couple on the internet. I do a lot of service, and... Um, Telephones are pretty pretty lousy, yet. <laughs> but all of those things together, and I'm usually, my meetings, I go to usually three meetings a week, include mostly speaker meetings that are almost all exclusively speaker or big book 12-12 reading. I don't go to the group therapy meetings I used to, and there's nothing wrong with them, but for me, I find I don't need a platform to talk more about me. <laughs> Yeah, um, let's see. I, I meditate um, pretty much every morning, but not every morning. Um, and I, um, 
I have a food plan, and it's pretty much the same food plan I had from the beginning, except I have cut out certain things, I, not because of OA, but I became a vegetarian, things like that, and, like, I try to eat all organic now. But it's pretty much the same food plan, it's, um, and no, nothing in between. I don't eat sugar, um, and um, so that's the same. I do have a sponsor, and we don't talk every day, but I did call her every day for about the first seven years of my abstinence. I committed my food every day for seven years. Um, I go to other 12-step programs because, you know, after I got here, um, more was revealed, and um, I saw that I'm addicted in other areas. And so I go to three meetings a week at least, sometimes more, um, and I go to one of those is an OA meeting. Sometimes I go to two OA meetings, but I'm committed to one OA meeting a week. And um, and I have sponsees that I'm really grateful for um, that call me every morning, so I start my day that way um, at least five days a week. Um, so that's it. Here's one for John. What do you do when you find you're reminiscing about how fun it was to eat certain things? Uh, well, it's certainly a human nature thing. I mean, I always talk about how I, um, when in my drinking days, I, uh, I would have a hangover every day until 2 in the afternoon, yet by 5 I would go, no, it would be good right now. <laughs> and the only reason I mention that is that it's really a great way for me to realize what an incredible built-in forgetter I have. I, can, I will see only the positive of anything. And, and I don't know, it's, it's one of those things where, the, I don't know, if you spend enough time and you, you keep working a certain way, the, the, the reminiscences of that are really short. They tend to want to go off over the fact that most of those good times were spent by myself in front of a TV in a darkened room and not out. I mean, I've had good meals with people, but I can have perfectly good accident meals with people too. So I need to just sort of remember that that's my disease talking. My disease just does a wonderful job of, I always say my disease is the world's best salesman, and it figures out what it has to say to make the sale, and then it tries to make the sale, and if it, can, it actually makes the sale, then it convinces you, it was your idea. <laughs> okay. Uh, can you talk about overcoming fear of economic insecurity? Well, that's funny that I'm answering that because I go to DA, too. So. Um, anyway, so, um, which is debtors anonymous, so for spending and things like that, which, you know. Um, so economic insecurity, yeah, you know, I have to realize that I have always been taken care of. I have always had enough. Again, once again, it's one of those things that there's not going to be enough, you know, and that's what the fear is for everything. There's not going to be enough. Um, so... Um, so that's my insecurity with money. But today, yes, I have, I'm pretty comfortable um, with my money, and I do um, know that I'm going to be taken care of. But like I said, I'm working the steps in that program, too, so that helps. Um, but, you know, the, the aspect of fear I just want to talk about real quick is so many fears have been removed from me, so many. Um, I couldn't even begin to tell you because I was so afraid. You know, we're fear-based people, like it tells us in the big book. I was afraid of everything. And so, so much has gone away. And one of the things that has gone away is the fear of flying. Because I, too, that you brought that up, had been afraid to fly for, like, the last 20 years. And I kept getting on the plane, you know. I, I thought, okay, 
um, if I'm working a program, why am I afraid to fly still? I'm not really trusting God, you know, but, and I get on the plane and I'm scared to death to fly. And you know, I've seen that I've had to walk through the fear before God removes it. God's not, for me, God doesn't just remove it. I have to walk through it and it gets removed. And so today, it's a miracle, but I am not afraid to fly. I just got on the plane one time after about five or six times after I got abstinent and it was removed. And you know, it might be God's will that the plane doesn't land like it's supposed to. You know what I mean? But I know whatever's going to happen when I'm up there is God's will. And so that's a miracle for somebody like me that's completely full of fear. So, thanks. I just want to add on to that. She sort of said that whole thing, you know, we, we, we never get what we want, but we get what we need. But also, I look at my grandiosity. My grandiosity takes everything and throws it into the, into the mega, you know. In other words, if something happens, I'm not going to just be out of work. I'm going to be destitute at the end of the freeway selling oranges, okay? <laughs> That's just where I want to go because I love drama. And the reality is, you know, the, the longer I'm in the program, I go, oh, just cut it out. You know, it's not going to be like that. And the other thing I know, I mean, somewhere, I've worked for myself since, my father passed away in 1984, and that's when I, I it sort of pushed me into, okay, to become a stand-up full-time, and then I do other things now, but I work for myself. The fear, the fear of, oh my God, I'm not going to have a paycheck every moment, is, is been listed. And part of it is that I know deep down I have a good brain, I have a good work ethic, I have a lot of things that if we had the worst, absolute worst depression that ever hit this thing, I would bump somebody else down who'd bump somebody else down who'd bump somebody else and somebody would fall off the end of the truck, but it wouldn't be me. I'd probably always have a job. I might not have the one I want, might not pay what I think I should deserve, but I will be taken care of. And that's, I don't know when that hit me, but it did, and I haven't really thought about it since. Uh, now that you have the promises, why do you keep coming back? <laughs> that's a good question. Um, well, you know, I, I think that I wouldn't necessarily say I have the promises, but that they do have definitely manifested in, in my life, as I shared. Um, but I think I keep coming back because I, I want to keep experiencing them, and um, I know the only way to do that is by, by keep coming back, working with other people. And, and like I said, I think the perspective, like if I... You know, if I look like was I different Monday than I am today? Well, probably not. But if I am I different today than I was five years ago? Well, heck yeah. And if I don't keep coming back, I don't think I'll continue to grow in that way. So that's why I come back. Well, yeah, like we, I think I've all said, we don't get the promises. It's progress, not perfection, and we have experienced a lot of the promises. But for me, why I keep coming back is that. Um, you know, one of the promises, we will know how, uh, see how our experience can benefit others. So to be of service, to keep being of service to others, to help the next compulsive overeater. And because like John, I think, mentioned before, I forget, you know. So if I'm not back here in the room and listening to you and, and being with you, I am going to forget, you know. And so that's it. There's another one for John. Was there a specific event that made you realize you had to give up bulimia? In other words, will it just click when we know that we eventually have to stop binging and purging? Does it become intuitive? Well, um, one of the things, I, I mainly went through a phase of that, and I think part of what I was able to see was, it seemed like a, you know, if anybody finds bulimia the first time, because, oh my God, this is the best thing that ever happened. And you realize, no, it isn't. It's just going to enable me to keep doing it more and more and more and more and more. 
it's not helping. It's only in some ways it's making it worse because I the illusion of control. The illusion of, oh, I can control it. Well, you know, gee, before I started purging, I would go out and, you know, to the 7-Eleven and buy stuff. Now that I'm binging and purging, I'm going to the 7-Eleven seven times a day and you got to buy them stuff. Um, I think that was part of it and I had to do some work and it had to become a bottom line thing, first of all, before anything else because, I, you know, i got to own everything I do now, you know, and... Uh, it's like the illusion. I mean, I spent a number of years slipping and sliding this program, and part of that was I never got the first step really well. I would say, when I'm getting ready to go out again, well, when I'm done, I'll come back. Well, where's the first step there? I'm going to come back. I'm going to have the power to come back, you know. And it's the same with, with you know, with the bulimia. I just had to finally say, I've got to make a commitment to do whatever I can. God gave me, gifted me with being abstinent today, but I'm the one who gets to throw it away, and I'm choosing to do everything I can to not. Doesn't giving up sugar seem a little extreme? <laughs> what you do when everything around you is about the sugar? What do you do for dessert, birthdays, anniversaries, etc.? Well, um, you know, it is the grace of God that I've been able to not eat sugar for over 10 years. It's nothing that I've done, otherwise I could have been able to stop long before. So that's the grace of God. And, you know, frankly, the point is there isn't enough sugar for me. There isn't enough. There's not enough Snickers bars. There's not enough of anything like that for me. And so today when I, uh, I know that, and I know it in my heart, um, that, like I said, the obsession is removed through the grace of God. And, yeah, there's sugar all around me. Um, and I remember that obsession, trying to get enough sugar down my throat to stop my head, and it wasn't working, you know. And I couldn't get enough sugar, and I was miserable. Um, and so, like I said, though, really, it's the grace of God. Um, it's nothing I'm doing. So, that's it. I, um, one thing to point out is that there are people in the world who don't eat sugar all the time and they don't even think about it and it isn't extreme to them at all because it's not their thing. I think to a compulsive overeater, it seems really extreme. Um, as was said, I have a trouble with it because I have an allergy of the body when it comes to sugar. And one of the things I want in my abstinence is I want it to be easy. This stuff's hard enough. It doesn't need to be harder. And I found for me, I have a blood sugar problem, which they now understand is called glycemic index stuff. My blood sugar goes up and down, and when I am good and clean and abstinent and working a good, clean program, I'm not hungry from meal to meal. When I'm eating sugar and stuff like that, I'm up and down, and I'm always... It isn't that I was a huge sugar person. I was, I was on the wonderful sugar-salt cycle. Sugar-salt, 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 sugar-salt. But whenever I would get a, an hour, a couple hours out of the sugar, boom, I'm hungry again, I'm hungry again, I'm hungry again. And I don't want to be hungry anymore. And one of the things with getting a good, clean abstinence, I found for me, and it sounds counterintuitive, but you're not hungry. And that, I mean, that, it's about making my abstinence easier, not harder. And I think, too, just to add to that, that, um, like Helen said, it, it wasn't a, I'm just going to give it up, and I was white-knuckling. It was just like, it, I was done. Like, God was like, okay, you've had enough, and you're done. And over time, you know, when I go to functions, it's just not an option. Like, I don't think, well, should I have cake? Should I not have cake? Should I? It's just like, I don't eat that, and people don't really care. Like, they're like, more for me, good. You know, or, or like on occasions when it's my birthday, you know, they have lots of things you can have, fruits and whatever. You know, there's definitely things you can, you can have. But I think it's being clear on your decision that, you know, this isn't really helping me, and it does make it harder. I've noticed just, uh, you know, mentally, it's like the obsession just really grows when I eat sugar, and I feel like crap, too. Just lethargic, and I think that's, pretty, uh, I think most people do, but they might not realize it. 
Okay, do you have advice for people who still feel a million miles away from what the promises have to offer? I am on step four. Um, question. <laughs> Well, I guess I don't really have advice. It's my experience, and that is that whoever you are, if you're working on step four, you must have a sponsor that you're working with and uh, just keep coming back, you know. Like, that's what they told me, just keep coming back and working with your sponsor and doing what they tell you to do. Go to lots of meetings. <laughs> the other thing is perception of... Oh yeah. Uh, uh, you know, I think sometimes it's like it's like a traffic jam. You're, you're in this traffic jam, and you don't know if this traffic jam is going to go on for 50 miles or whether you're going to come over the hill and boom, it's going to be gone. You may feel like you're a million miles away, but for all you know, you're you're it's around the next turn. It's gonna it's gonna kick, and it's just a matter of keep coming back, keep working it. Thank you, John. Thank you very much. It's now time for um, we've we've covered pretty much all the questions. Good. All right, uh, so we have some time left, and we get to share. Uh, there are three minutes. Uh, let's see what it says here about sharing. Um, we will now have three-minute shares. Please focus on the topic of living in promises, and finish your share by the end of the uh, three minutes. You must also sign the tape release before sharing. So uh, who would like to share? Okay. Very good. Yeah. I'll have you sign as soon as you're done. Okay. Thanks. Hi, I'm Suzanne. I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi, guys. Um, I, I'm uh, down from Santa Cruz, and I want to thank you guys for putting this on and all that. Thanks for your service. Um, I, what I wanted to say is um, I've had a couple of a uh, couple of hard years with uh, deaths and. Um, my um, compulsive overeating was kicking my butt and I started getting extra help and going to meetings more and doing a variety of things and um, I wanted to uh, echo what was said up here that sometimes when things seem to be the worst it's when things are moving over that hump in the road. Um, I've had a lot of um, emotions and they haven't all been very fun, and some of them have been pretty awful, and um, what I'm finding is that I am experiencing a lot of freedom um, by having the feelings instead of pressing them down, and um, I see more and more how facing things with the help and support I have is uh, allowing me to move past them. And uh, I'm really grateful for that, and I do feel that the promises are manifesting in my life. I still have a long way to go to, what did uh, Carol say, before I'm a, <clears throat> not a newcomer anymore, 10 years of back-to-back absence. <laughs> um, but the promises are definitely manifesting, and even maybe even because of some of these very difficult things that I've gone through, and uh, that's really given me a lot of um, faith and hope. So thanks. Like to share? Well, I'd like to share for a minute. <laughs> All right, I'm Pearl. I'm still a compulsive overeater and a sugar addict and a bulimic. And um, one of the questions was: uh, Was there an, an event 
that was the end of your bulimia. Yeah, for me it was a very, very strong event. I had um, I had cancer, breast cancer, and um, I was bulimic for 25 years, throwing up oh at least well anywhere from three to five or six times a day. I had about a forty dollar a day habit, food habit, and um, I. I found out from my doctor that I had to take certain medication, including the chemo, but I had to have pills too. And I couldn't throw them up. Ooh. And uh, so that's a rough way of having to stop. But that was God in my life. I didn't know it at the time, but that was the end. Uh, because we, we know, I mean, I know now that God does for me what I can't do for myself. And so that was, uh, that was the end of my bulimia. Tough, but uh, yeah, it was the end. And um, I've heard another thing that I really personally believe, and I've, I've lost um, 104 pounds, and um, I've been in the program since 1994. And um, I, um, I have, uh, I'm right now about 28 pounds from the 104 pounds, but um, you know, I'm quite a bit older. Uh, I'll be 73 in about a month, and um, I'm happy to say that my health is good, my spirit is good, and the most important thing that I have from this program, which has taught me how to live, is that uh, I have a disease, um, I call it the disease of more. It's also another name for compulsive overeater, but um, I have this disease, I mean, I had it. It's Probably um, not my, like my alcoholism or my sugar addiction, because as I worked this program, I was able to somehow magically uh, become satisfiable. Um, and uh, the main thing that helped me in a global way with all of my problems, defects, and everything else was... Um, page 449 in the old big book. It was Dr. Paul's uh, message, and that was that uh, acceptance is the answer to all my problems. And I never, never, as I looked back on it in my life, ever knew what that word meant. I know for sure that I never accepted anything as it was. I had, my mission was to change everything and get my way. So that acceptance was something that was extreme, extreme in the way of thinking. So I set myself a little project. Every day for a year, I read that page. Just so that I could get familiar with the concept of what acceptance could possibly mean in my life. And now that is the main reason I attribute my serenity, which I have today, uh, every day, no matter what I go through, and I've gone through a lot, three times cancer, and another time, um, a couple of years ago, I had a malignant melanoma. I stay well except for the cancers, and, uh, but, I, but, but I get by them. And then I had macular degeneration, and I became blind, and legally blind in one eye, and very damaged in the other. And I still, this program has taught me to elicit the courage that I have as a natural part of my being. It brought good things to me. 
a, a very depressed, suicidal person. It brought good things that I must have had. I just couldn't see them because I was so, so sick. So um, thank you for letting me share. Uh, okay. Hi, my name is Julie. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, Julie. Hi. Um, first of all, thank you to all three of our speakers today. That was absolutely right. I really thoroughly enjoyed hearing every one of you and everyone who's gotten up here. Um, I just wanted to get up here because, um, and I'll sign the deal, um, it's good to share at a convention. It's because it's really easy for me to see it out there and, you know, take it all in and stuff, but it's also nice to say, hi, I'm one of the people in the audience. And, um, as far as the promises go, um, I've been in Overeaters Anonymous now for over 25 years and abstaining for um, 21 and maintaining a 70-pound weight loss for 21 years. And um, that is truly by the grace of God in this program. And as far as the promises go, um, uh, I don't know if this is a promise or not. Um, I will intuitively know to not kill anyone. Um, that's been a good one for me. Uh, because I've wanted to do that many times uh, when my husband was snoring and I was having hot flashes and couldn't sleep and I just wanted to go, you're going to stop now. You know, but instead I would just get up and go sleep somewhere else. Um, but the thing I guess I want to be grateful for is um, I just want to say I think one of the promises should be um, and we'll know how to be grateful. Uh, gratitude is something I was always grateful I got off the hook. I was grateful I didn't get caught. And I said, that's not grateful, that's thankful. <laughs> grateful is I'm willing to do something about it. Um, I have a sponsor now who says that um, I can never thank her enough for all she's done for me. <laughs> but the way to do that is to do it for someone else, sponsor someone else. And um, uh, I just need to say that... Um, after I had gone out and gained 100 pounds in less than three months in this program, I did. I started it in an OA retreat, which made the other retreatants very nervous. But um, I had a year and a half of abstinence and broke it because I hadn't worked the steps. I didn't trust God and didn't clean house. And I uh, got hooked up with a, a lady who scared me. And she's only 4'11", but she scared me because she could look in my eyes and see inside and how I felt inside was crap. And... She gave me the program. She gave me a program that didn't make sharing an option, like, honey, when you feel like it. It was like, no, you're going to share at this meeting. Or when you feel like giving services, you've got 30 days, get a service commitment, coffee, I don't care. Someone asks you to be their sponsor, say yes. And she may not have said it that way, but that's how I heard it. And I did these things um, to prove her wrong uh, because I thought, no, you don't understand. i got real problems here, and you're telling me to bring the literature I thought, this is, she's not, thanks, she's not hearing me. She heard me just fine. And it's because of the program, the type of program I saw her work. She wasn't telling me what to do without me doing it. Um, I've been absent today, and I think it's because of that foundation. And it's um, real hard to thank someone for saving your life. I know it's not her. I know it's the higher power. I know it's this program. But I think she helped. She showed up. And... Uh, so I guess what I get to do is keep coming back and trying to do that for someone else. So thanks. We've got a lot of time yet. Another 
Five or ten minutes for sure. Come on up. Hi, my name's Tony. I'm a compulsive reader. Hi, Tony. You know, sitting in this room, I've been around here, God, since 34 years, I think. You know, this reminds me of a room that very much exactly, the Hilton must do all the rooms the same. This reminds me of a convention in 78 out of Blast Hat. Reminds me very much of a convention we had in San Francisco. Um, I came here weighing about 100 pounds more than I weigh today, and I, I've never done this program perfect. You know, and, and I hear people, the, I like what you said, you know, with the absence and the this and that. You know, I've never done it perfect. I've had death. I've had cancer. I've had family members murdered. I've had it all. But when I came here at 24 years old, I was that fat kid that weighed 350 pounds. You know, I was a kid that, you know, summertime, I, was, I, was, I came in and, you know, they told me, keep, you know, I, I had a friend of mine, uh, I had a friend of mine that was an AA, you know, he said, if you were a drunk, I could help you. He called me AA means didn't work. Finally, I found, in Torrance, I found the uh, OA meeting. And, but then I started going to meetings and I just went, I was going 10 meetings a week. It was the first time I ever found happiness in my life. And, you know, I look back at it today, you know, my life has been far from perfect. I've been broke. I've made lots of money. I've done this. I've been there. But, you know, but the bottom line is just keep coming back. It works, you know. Um, Food-wise, I can remember, you know, that my big thing was pest. You know, I made my that craps. You know, six, six-pack a day, you know. Yeah, at least. You know, the tall bottles. Couldn't the short ones. You know, I haven't had pets. You know, I'm deprived or depraved. I haven't had pets in that 34 years, you know. So, who knows. But everything else, you know, I've had people, you know, tell me I've done it wrong, I've done it right, and done it. Hi, Cheryl. <laughs> and everything else. But, you know, at the bottom line, just keep coming back. And that's that thing. You know, and I'm sitting there. And if you're new, and if you don't like your life today, and if you're new, they say, like AA, they say 30 meetings, 30 days. I did a hell of a lot more than that. Guys, but I was really screwed up when I started. But just keep coming back, you know. Just keep coming back because it does work. You know, and I, you know, I want to be a living testimony to it. Thank you. Hi, everybody. My name is Cheryl, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And I just wanted to say, I've been sitting, I really appreciated everything you guys said. You're awesome. And, you know, I've been coming to Overeaters Anonymous for over 31, uh, over 31 years. I have 31 years of abstinence, and uh, I am so grateful. And I kept sitting out there thinking, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. They'll always materialize when you work for them. And when... Since this is on the promises, and somebody asked a question about, you know, when you think you're a million miles away from the promises and you, and you think it's never going to happen to you, I know one of the things that happened to me, and it was sometimes slowly, it's always been sometimes slowly for me, is that I remember going to meetings, and I was a single mother, and I barely had enough to get by, and there has never been enough for me of anything. But I've learned to live with what I have. And I went to meetings, and I didn't put in the basket because I was so afraid I wouldn't have enough money to have gas to go to the next meeting. And my money was more difficult to manage. I didn't have enough. And I had less. So I started being, trusting God. And I think for me that that's where it, where it is. Is I started trusting God and putting my donation in the basket. And it was amazing to me that I had more than I had before. And so those are the kind of things that happen to me. Is that, uh, and I had people that would say, "Do you have what you need today?" Yeah, 
but that's all you have to worry about. So that's really all that I wanted to say is that I am grateful to be here. I'm grateful to be a member of Overeaters Anonymous, and I have an awesome life filled with promises. And thank you for letting me share. a couple more. Get up. Let's, let's hear what you got to say. Hold on. Nobody's had anything from the promises? <laughs> Not even a little bit? Hi, I'm Stan, a compulsive overeater. Came into program, excuse me, came into program 1987, and uh, I was uh, 230 pounds, but I was pushing about 250. Uh, my abstinence is three meals a day, nothing in between, and no recreation or refined sugar. Haven't had a friggin' donut in 19 years. <laughs> Haven't had a piece of candy in 19 years. Uh, anyway, I, I don't, I haven't had any of that, and I don't, uh, I don't do any sugar sweet or anything because it's too easy to fall off the fence. And, uh, but I am, today I'm living the promises of the program. Uh, a lot of my uh, things have, and what I've found with the promises of the program is the more I get to this program, I sat in the meetings for like 15, 16 years and uh, said, oh, screw it. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sponsor them. I'm not gonna chase cars. If they want to come to me, they'll come to me. And then I went to a big book study, uh, on Thursday night, it was Alcoholics Anonymous. It was it was all the addictions, and and we we went went through the big book, and what uh, every page was about sponsorship, you know, and uh, the early days of Alcoholics Anonymous. I'm not an alcoholic, but I got an alcoholic mind. Early days of Alcoholics Anonymous, they they sponsored me, and it's all the way through the big book, Alcoholics Anonymous. So I went back to my meeting, and I I started uh, sponsoring, and I think I'm sponsoring like three, maybe four gentlemen now. And it's just my level of recovery really increased. Uh, uh, the promise of the program have really come true for me because what I put in, uh, I've received. I can't believe it. So if you got it, give it. If you got to give it. I sat on my ass for 17 years. And, uh, and uh, like I said, you call me, I don't call you. But what I do now is I do call my sponsorees and I, I've just... I've had a wonderful, wonderful relationship with all of them. Uh, my buddy uh, Skipper Tony, he and I sail out of Newport Beach now and Long Beach. Uh, we really enjoy that. And uh, that's, that's, I was always afraid to step out and do things like this. I would always take a hostage with me. <laughs> and, um, and I'm doing it today. I, I'm doing it. And, I live, and it's only because of this program and, um, not just making coffee, and making coffee is great, and turning on the lights and stuff like that, but it's, uh, it's, it's helping other people. I love it. When I'm working with other people, I feel very close to God. I don't feel close to God when I'm sitting on a stupid sailboat. I mean, I love it, but I, when I'm in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous, uh, that's when I'm happy, joyous, and free, is when I'm working with another compulsive overeater, 
and uh, I, I just feel at one with God. So thanks for letting me share. Two people who just came in, would you like to share about living in the promises? My name is Nikki, and I'm a grateful recovering consistent grazer. Um, what I say is, I keep coming back because of the promises, because I want them. And what I found was they read at the meeting, and when I was new, I just heard them over and over and over. And I also heard that the fourth step was really the place where you could tell the men from the boys, if you'll excuse the expression, ladies. And everybody kind of got stopped there. And I figured the fourth step was the hump, and as soon as I got over that, I was going to get the promises. And I did my fourth step, and I did my fifth step. And some things changed, but I didn't get the promises, and I was really kind of frustrated. And then when I started to read further, and I was working my ninth step, I realized that's really where it happens. And when they say when you work for it, it means you have to do the stuff you're told to do. And you don't have to do it perfectly. You just have to keep working towards it, and it does happen. So for those of you who haven't gotten the promises, things do change after the ninth step. They do change after the fourth step, but really it's the ninth step, I think, that, that gets you there. And what I didn't realize, it was when you finally own your own stuff and you make your amends. And um, nobody told me that when I came. I came here. Uh, people have heard me speak. I've come, I came in two, almost two and a half years ago to come for a year. I came for the vanity, not for the sanity. I was very lucky. I came early. I had 10, 12 pounds to lose couldn't get them off. Doctor told me, they told me it was age and hormone related and all women had this problem and just do more and eat less. And that wasn't doing it. So I came here so I could save some money. I wasn't going to pay Weight Watchers $15 a week to tell me how to eat. I knew how to count calories and it always worked before it wasn't working anymore. So I had a friend at work who had lost weight and kept it off, but she was kind of a nut job. Uh, she weighed and measured everything, ate by the clock, and would knock on my door and say, I'm ravenous and it's not time to eat, so I know something emotional just happened. Can I run it by you? And I think to myself, just go eat and be done with it. <laughs> So um, because of her example, I decided that maybe there was something here I could learn that I didn't know. And I've learned much more than I had ever come in. And I lost more weight than I had planned. I've kept it off. And I consider myself very fortunate. I've been abstinent since the day I came in. And I wasn't going to do anything you people told me to do, especially the God part. I was willing to come to meetings for the like people. I was willing to read as long as I could get the book out of the library and not buy it. And I was definitely willing to work the phone because I like to talk about me. So um, the promises are happening, and I can hope to continue to get more. And thanks for letting me share. All right. Now, um, it's now time to close the meeting. Let us thank our speakers. And everyone who shared. And our timer. Those who care to, please stand and join hands uh, as we close with, I put my hand in yours.